Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 253, covering life signs and investigations. Hi, friends. We hey, we are back. Took a little break. Uh, to you, it is just another week, but to us, we, we took a little break, and we came back, and there was a bunch of Neelix. Yep, there sure was. There was the, Neelix for days. Uh, I'm not happy about that. I don't know about oh. you, but... Oh, no, my many appearances in your television show. Oh, God. And, yeah, so I was telling Matt just now before we started, I watched, um, well, I mean, we, we've seen Star Wars. We're, we're both kind of on a bit of a Star Wars kick, I would say. Oh, man, not since I was 12 have I been on such a Star <laughs> Wars kick. And um, so I'm, I'm looking up what the cast has been, you know, like, where did these guys come from? And Oscar Isaac, the dreamy Poe Dameron, like, what's oh. what's he doing? And uh, Oh, is he so beautiful, Al? And he is. He's he's quite beautiful. And uh and, and I realized, oh, there's a there's a Coen Brothers movie I haven't seen. They're like among the few directors that I will watch anything that they've done. Mm-hmm. Like just okay. Yeah. It's like them and and um Tarantino yep. and, and Tommy Wiseau and yep. um Terry Gilliam. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh anyway. But we're still waiting on that uh uh what do you call it? Ah fuck. Sequel to the room? Yeah, the sequel to The Room. The Room 2? No, the uh, Don Quixote. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, the, the wonderful irony about that is he's spending his entire life trying to make that impossible movie, which uh, Orson Welles also did mm-hmm. and never managed to. It is, it is itself a, a, a Quixotic movie. Anyway, um, but I watched Inside Lewin Davis, which is uh, a, a, a the Coen Brothers movie that I missed from a couple of years ago, and Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac plays the lead. It's like, oh, good. Uh, so I'm watching it and he's talking to someone on the phone and the guy's like, yeah, come on over. Like, oh, oh no. Is that? Oh no. And then, be. and then he comes over to the guy's apartment guy opens the door and it's Ethan Phillips. Oh, God wow. I didn't hear you come in. God damn it. I actually, I got, um, I took a picture of this, but, uh, for Christmas, my mom got me, uh, Oh, right. The, I saw that. The Neelix cookbook. <laughs> Now, does she know or does she just see Star, Star Trek and say, oh, you, you, Matt likes this? I assume she looked at it said, uh, and just said, no, Matt likes Star Trek. Like, she doesn't know it was actually, it's written by Ethan Phillips and someone else. Right. Well, I mean, in fairness, they gave, um, they gave Andrew Robinson a spy novel. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they gave uh, Q, uh, John Delancey wrote something. Like, the, a, lot of the, a lot of the guys get to yeah. do that stuff. I'm still waiting for Whoopi Goldberg's uh, cocktail book. Yeah, that would be all right. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, speaking of uh, Andrew Robinson, uh, a.k.a. DS9's Garrick, I've been uh, doing some research for another project I'm working on and watching a lot of old soap operas. I was watching an early 80s episode of Falcon oh. Crest. Oh, I was like, is he in Passions? Did I no, miss no, no, that No, 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 no. he was in Falcon Crest in the early 80s, and he had the most glorious Magnum P.I. mustache. Oh, that sounds amazing. God, I, I'm just picturing Garrick with a Magnum P.I. mustache now, and I'm delighted. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's Andrew Robinson. He's not gray. He doesn't have the head spoon. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, he's still got those crazy eyes. Yeah, your your imagination can fill that part in. Yeah. 
just like <laughs> Photoshop normal like white guy skin tone on him mm-hmm. and take off some of the bumps and then uh, put on a mustache. Yeah. You've seen a Cardassian with a mustache. You know what I'm talking about. I have seen a, haven't I seen a Cardassian with a mustache? Well, sort of. It was like a catfish, like weird droopy flesh thing that looked like a mustache. See, you said that and I'm, I literally just pictured a catfish like jammed between someone's nose and lip. Uh, well, that would be more imaginative than some of the aliens we get on Voyager. Ah, good segue. Yes, which which brings us nicely to life signs. Tell us, uh-huh. won't you? What happened? All right, so Voyager finds a ship with a Vidian floating in space, and the Doctor decides to adopt her. After bringing her aboard the ship, he discovers that, in addition to the usual face and brain and neck are falling off disease, or phage, a made-up word that doesn't exist, as they call it. Neelix hides his remaining organs in a desk drawer. Discovering she may have brain damage, the Doctor transmits her brain into a hologram, furthering Star Trek's inability to know exactly how, the br- how brains even work. The Vidian, whose name I don't remember and am therefore going to call Claire, is overjoyed by her new non-disgusting body, and she and the Doctor work together to cure Claire of her latest problem. As they do, the Doctor discovers he has feelings. Bizarre feelings that are neither, neither smugness nor superiority. Could this be love? The answer is yes, and the Doctor goes to the one person who knows the most about love on the entire ship. Wait, seriously? Paris? That guy wouldn't know love if it ran up and dropped a roofie in his drink. Anyway, after taking Claire to a bar and macking on her in a car and other things that rhyme, the Doctor is shocked to discover that somebody has tried to murder his lady. Who could it be? Certainly not the woman who is sick of being sick all the time and having to steal fresh organs from Neelix, but it is. Claire has tried to kill herself so that she can be with the Doctor just a few more days as a beautiful hologram. Luckily, the Doctor is able to convince her to return to her rotting husk of a corpse, and they share a last dance to a song I like. I would have liked the song if it weren't in Star Trek, Mm. but I really don't like modern Earth music in Star Trek. I just never have. Well, the problem with modern Earth music in Star Trek is that it all turns out to have been invented by aliens who are visiting Earth. Oh, that's true. Oh, God. Mm. Does that mean the Beastie Boys were aliens? I, they might have been. It would explain Captain Kirk's love of them. Uh, but it would not explain why Adam Yauk is now dead. Mm. Hey, have they finally done the, the song that actually mentions Mr. Spock in it? No, not yet. Okay. No, they did Sabotage, and then they did Body Movin', which does mention the Human Torch. Mm, that's well, fine. I well, like it, the fact that uh, Marvel Comics existed in the Star Trek universe. Well, they say Flame On, so I mean, oh, same thing. That's fine. Um, but no, they haven't used intergalactic. They've, they've, they've mentioned Spock in a couple of songs, but intergalactic is the big one, which they okay. haven't used yet because they use sabotage a third time in, in the new trailer. So. Mm, the pinch on the neck from Dr. Spock's line. Right, right. Exactly. No, it's actually Mr. Spock in that song, but in other songs, they confuse him with Dr. Spock. Ah, it drives me nuts. I got that. I got that from my mom when, uh, when Leonard Nimoy died, she sent me a text and I'm sorry to hear about Dr. Spock. I'm like, don't be a dick about this. She's just being nice. <laughs> Well, actually, Mom. <laughs> and then she compounded that with uh, the Neelix cookbook. Your mom. Oh, man. Actively working against me. <laughs> and the thing is, in both cases, I see where she's actually being sweet mm-hmm. and means well. But yeah, the, the nerd impulse is like, no, Mom. I'm going to read this Neelix cookbook and get back to you all. Uh, how much hair does it require? Oh, my God, dude. There's a whole chapter. Is there really? Cooking with hair, but the Neelix story. Uh, we're, we're, look, let's let's try to en- enjoy our Neelix-free existence for the first portion of the show. Uh huh. Because we got a lot of Neelix to talk about. In aren't you going to talk about how you cured me of the hiccups? 
Uh, that was a great uh, punchline. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've I've treated this many things. Also, once the crazy clown man got the hiccups. <laughs> I'm a crazy clown man. I, that that's your description, by the way. Yep, that's him. I'm just using it. Yep. Uh, With his clown suit and his ridiculous face. Uh, just. Uh, but anyway, let's instead talk about uh, another character we we don't like. Mm-hmm. Tom Paris. Yeah. So first of all, you mentioned this in your summary, so I'll mm-hmm. just I'll just go ahead and say this is my bad thing. Really, yep. you went to Paris for advice on romance. On romance, yep. Just let's. Uh, Who do I know that has told me? No, no, no. no it's, not. it's the doctor. He's got to do like this. Da, 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 da. I have to find. Who is the person on this ship that I can most trust to tell me how to have a balanced, well well done relationship? Well, ah, I'm, Mr. Paris, you'll do nicely. In fairness, let's go through the uh, the candidates. Really, who do you got? Harold? Mm. No. Uh, What's Bo- a woman? Balana? No. Janeway? Eh, maybe, but probably not. Yeah. Chicote? Who wants to talk to that guy? And, uh, well, I had sex with Seska. That worked out pretty well, I thought. That that certainly hasn't created all of season two's conflict. Nope. Uh, Cass? No. No. Like, uh, that's that's. Is that it? Am I forgetting anyone? Mm. I feel like I might be forgetting someone. Nope. I don't think so. Oh. No one. Anyway, Definitely no one. There's nobody. Like, uh, there's nobody. Like nobody's got any good. I experience. guess that's true. <laughs> So, I don't know. You talk about women a lot. Let's hear what you got. It could just I, be like one of those data things where the computer doesn't understand that, like, doesn't have the human context to, to pick up on the fact that he's horrible. Mm-hmm. That's you know? entirely possible. Well, this person has told me multiple times about all the sex he's always having. So, he's always I, mean, I guess he knows to, about sex. He's always asking me to check him for venereal disease. And it's strange because he has, shows no signs of having sex. But nope. I, I keep checking. Doc, I got space crabs again. No, you don't. I'm I'm sorry, Mr. Paris. You you I simply see no evidence of space crabs, as well, you call them. Well, well, could you give me some? <laughs> mm. Just to feel the just to feel another living person on my genitals. Oh God. Of course, Cass is like, yeah, yeah, let's give them to him. Mm-hmm. That seems like a good idea. Uh, and if it's not become clear by this point, we don't care for Tom Paris. No, and I, I every now and then check the show mail, uh, postatomicore at gmail, by the way. Between mm-hmm. seasons, we knew the supplementals were coming up on one in a few weeks. Yes. Um, and there is a long, long, several-page defense of Tom Paris that I'm not looking forward to reading. Mm. There's also a long argument about how Janeway is a terrible captain, but it may be from the same person who argued that Cisco is a terrible captain, so it might just be terrible captain guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It's understandable. Yeah. Um, also, th- at some point, they mentioned that Tom Paris delivered a baby. Ew. So, that's gross. Ugh. To have your first words in this life be, hey, baby. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. No. Uh, the idea is, uh, was it Ensign Wildman had the baby? It was Ensign Wildman! That's what I thought. I was wondering how you were going to say that, because we're both a little lower energy than usual. It's early and... and- we we didn't do uh, the, the as as substantial prep as we usually do. No, which is which is fine. Like we're prepared. It's just like usually we're a little more upbeat after two hours of screaming at the television. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you were gonna like and some wild man, but no, you you got it. You hit it. Look, I, uh, look, I can rise to the occasion if necessary. Very I'm a good. professional. Uh, but no, the, I I believe she had her baby. Correct. 
Uh, that's what they said. I don't know if that was a lie or not, because we don't see it. We just have Paris's word for it. Well, right, but what I'm saying is, like, they, they kind of implied that maybe that's why he's late to work, which is a plot point again. Mm-hmm. And no, it just turns out he's late to work because he's, yeah. like, he's did, late did, to work. Did doctors ever deliver babies on Star Trek? Because I have no proof of that. I mean, this is a Except standard... for that time Bones delivered a baby in the woods. Yeah, yes. he delivered Catwoman's baby in a cave yep. with scraps. <laughs> <laughs> the cat played with the scraps. <laughs> it was delightful. The cat's name was Scraps. It's a good cat name. No, Patches is a better cat name. Patches! Patches! <laughs> Um, We're all but, over the place this morning. I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so that but that was my bad thing that Paris. Like, like seriously, Paris is, Tom Paris, uh, whatever. Fine. But that but I mean that ties to your bad thing. This whole he's late to work and his hair oh, is messed man, up. Par- and Paris is working my absolute last fucking nerve. Like I don't give a goddamn shit about his petulant, pathetic acting out. Like, show he's a main character. You have to at least try to make me like him. Okay, now, like, without without revealing it, because this mm-hmm. will be a main component of the next episode. Yep. Have Now that you know where it's going, does that make it any better? It does. The, no. fact, the fact that it was specifically there to set something up? Yes, but I'm, you know, I basically, I thought about it, but I addressed this as no, this you're, is a bad thing for this episode. Yeah, no, no, you're reacting in real time. You yeah. had, you didn't have that context at the time, and that's a totally valid criticism. Like, seriously, they made me side with Chakotay. Yeah, that's pretty rough. The I, thing is, I still don't hate Chakotay, I just think he's nothing. I think he's a non-presence. I've, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but I've started applying what I call the Chakotay test. I do like the Chicote test. Tell tell the people what yeah, the Chicote if, test Yeah, if is. I'm repeating myself, I apologize, but this is something that, that is legitimately a thing for me. Uh, imagine a scene that Chicote's in, and imagine him not in it, and imagine if it unfolds any differently with his absence, and usually the answer is everything would be exactly the same, only, like, Tuvok would have his lines. It's much the same. I think they call it the broom test in movies. <laughs> Where if you can replace your female characters with a broom with a fate like with a picture taped on it and it's exactly the same, you're probably not a very good writer. So like cardboard marzipan? Yeah, cardboard marzipan. See now the nice thing is this isn't at least a sexism issue, it's just a weak character issue. Yeah. It's not that they're not writing strong male or female characters, it's really just specifically Chicote. Yes. If you can replace Chicote with that leg lamp from a Christmas story, that would be fine. And have nothing change. Isn't isn't that from uh, Lord of the Rings, Lego lamp? Yes. <clears throat> oh wait, no, that's the um No, that's leg of lamb. That's the the side dish. Oh no, no. I jelly. was I don't think that's a side dish. I, if you're eating lamb as a side dish, what the hell is your main course? Um carrots? Oh. All right. That's a lot of carrots. It's entirely possible. I don't know how a meal works. Well, usually, typically, meat is the main course because that's the big, heavy, like, anchor food. I don't follow you, Elf. All right. That's okay. Also, vegetarians are yelling at me now and, and so forth. But what are you <laughs> Specifically gonna do? one that lives in your house? Uh, no, I was actually thinking of one that was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Oh. No, but uh, also also her. <laughs> um. Where where did we start with all that? Oh, we hate Tom Paris. Oh, yes. God, yes. But yeah, without uh, without knowing that it's meant to build up to something. And I think if like because that ended up being the case, maybe if the show had told us, but maybe not told the characters it was supposed to be a secret from, it would have made it less interminable. 
I don't know. It's a tough one because, like, I I understand what they're doing. You know, they're trying to like they're trying to make you think like, well, what's happening with Paris? This is a weird. Like, they're basically trying to make us think what the what they're trying to make the the traitor in the next episode think, which is that yeah, Paris is but I think, getting ready to leave the show. I think all it does is it risks like they think he's a likable character to begin with, which mm-hmm. we have never thought. But let's no. let's just assume that he is. Mm-hmm. they're risking losing the audience's sympathies for what they think is a likable character by making him unlikable for a stretch of episodes. Well, my thinking is that, like, they assume that, you know, you won't be thinking he's an unlikable character. You'll be like, what's wrong with Tom? But I don't care what's wrong with Tom. Well, no. I- honestly, if any character started acting like this, and I'm I'm talking across all of Star Trek, mm-hmm. like, like you know, likable or not, I would start getting annoyed. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be concerned i'd be like "Ugh, dax you're so much better than this why are you acting like this not writing this character well yeah that yeah exactly Uh, also all the writers in retrospect say yeah we thought this was a good idea and it really wasn't Mm -hmm. like well they're right i don't know if you looked at memory alpha on these but i did not for both episodes and actually for the previous episode where they started all this Mm -hmm. they said yeah we we thought it might be cool but it felt kind of shoved in i think it might have been the q episode where it started Oh, that one. That, it's some episode where he just like, for no reason, he just shows up late for work. Right. And that's where it started. And the director said, yeah, I had no idea what was going on with that. I just ignored that and it mm-hmm. concentrated on the rest of the story. I shot that just as normal and quickly as I could because it didn't make any sense to me in the context yep. of the rest of the episode. So, yeah, you're not wrong. That's, you know, it feels like they were trying and they failed. So, uh, But it it's an experiment in serialization, which I got to mm-hmm. give them some points for. Yeah. Because we've often complained that this is a big reset button show. Mm-hmm. And it any, absolutely is. And anytime the show tries to make us believe that they start at a point A, things are going to change before they get to point B, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But th- this is not the best way to do it, maybe. Yeah. Um, you, you, I, I saw one of your notes, uh, I think it might be for the next episode, where all these weird subplots going nowhere felt like an X-Men comic. Yeah, exactly. That's about right. Like 18 weird little threads all tying together and just like, ah. No, and a good show will do it naturally so it just feels like part of this episode and then eventually it'll pay off, you know, many episodes from now. No, it just feels like I should see a caption that says, "Why why is Paris acting like this? Why? Yeah, find out in episode whatever. Only I could tell Tom that his acting out is costing, might cost him his, his <clears throat> place on this ship to be continued next episode. I, I think we've spent quite enough time on him, though. Let's let's talk about the main focus of this episode, Dr. Shmoolis, <laughs> which, which <laughs> unfortunately not his name. Why don't you tell us about Dr. Shmoolis? Was that it? Was it Shmoolis? I think it I th- if it wasn't Shmoolis, it was so close to Shmoolis. It was something with a shma sound that made it was me, definitely yeah. ridiculous. She I know called that much. it. She called him the Shmoo. <laughs> Fred and Barney meet the Shmoo. Now it's um, it, it's yet another. Hey, the doctor's gonna have a name. Oh no, he's not. Which I didn't. I really love. wish they'd stop jerking us around on this. Like, yeah, do it or don't. They're gonna though. I don't think he ever gets a name, or if he does, it happens way late. Mm-hmm. Um. And actually, I just realized I'm not aware of him having a name. So if he gets one, that'll be a surprise. Yeah, I don't think I don't I think he's going to continue to just be the doctor. We'll see, which is now confusing because at the time, Doctor Who was obviously a thing, but now it's a bit more of a thing. Yeah. And the doctor is like, well, wait, which show are you watching? Mm -hmm. But um, no, there's this main the main plot is him 
uh, falling in love with this. Uh, it's Vidian. I know. Uh, oh, said, Vidian. Said Vidian. Okay. Yeah, because there's two eyes in the middle, which is not the most natural thing. Mm. I like Vidian. It sounds like they came out of a, a TV or something. I like Vidian, and I actually like like I like their whole like weird rotting thing. Oh, their deal is very cool. Like they're a very cool alien race that I had no idea existed on Star Trek or on Voyager when we came into this. So mm. the fact that they keep coming back is awesome. Yeah, they're I mean as recurring guys, they're be- much better than the other ones. Also, they keep stealing Neelix's organs, which I'm fine with. Well, I mean, they really only did it the one time, but I'd like to think that they did it a lot of times. Mm. They're all it, it's like a cartoon. They're always trying to steal his organs. Yeah. It's like a cereal commercial. Yeah. Um, Those Vidians are always after my delicious organs. But I like... Um, Blue Neelix cereal with marshmallow organs. With marshmallow hair. <laughs> the hair is the uh, the ninja nets of the Neelix cereal. Uh, boy, you really don't like ninja nets. Nope. That is that is one of your things that you just won't let go. That's a real sticking point for me. It is. Uh, my, my lungs. Oh, no, my lungs. Um... Pink lungs, red hearts. <laughs> but the uh, the, the thing is, and get a free clown suit. <laughs> I like how they look when they're all rotted and terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't like like because they make a holographic version of what she looks like if she's completely normal. Yeah, I don't like that. I, I mean, they just it, look like the standard boring head bump. Like yeah, it's generic alien. Three head bump on the forehead. Ah. Uh, uh. Sento Flavo. No, well, I mean, I guess they don't need to have a really good design for when they're normal because you rarely see them that way. This yeah, I like know. The first I'm time. Just, I'm just tired of it. Mm-hmm. I'm just tired of the same alien every single time. Just try harder, you know? Yeah. I'm going to say this. I noticed this the first time we saw Vidian, and I noticed it again. There's always a weird green cluster somewhere on the head that's just, I, is fungus growing on you? What is happening? Huh. I guess that's cool. Like I don't know what it, I don't know what it is, but it's always a bright green patch of something. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe no, it's I, green Neelix lungs or something. Could be. I'm I sorry, have, I'm really delighted by this cereal now. Yeah, uh, that's um I, I just really don't want to talk about Neelix until we have to. Is it? I'm so You'll talk about Neelix and like it. Neelixed out. <laughs> um but no, this the doctor thing is nice. Like my my good thing is I like the chick who plays her and her name's Denara. Mm-hmm. Denara, not Claire. No, not Claire. Uh, it's kind of a standard thankless guest star of the week we'll never see again role like it's very much here and the doctor's love interest who shows up for a week and then never shows up again mm-hmm. I, but she did really well with it she yeah. she sold the tragedy of like I've never seen what I actually look like in my adult life and hey I guess I am kind of pretty and uh, she had good chemistry with the doctor I thought my my first thought and this isn't this doesn't mean it's a bad episode at all I just this is the first thing I thought of when it's like oh you put her in a body that's like that'll never die and is beautiful Mm -hmm. of course she's gonna want to go back to her rotting husk because it's star trek yeah humans humans and humanoids are made to suffer i just i i keep waiting for the doctor to go all right we're ready to stick you back in your disgusting body and for her to go oh boy well i mean i i i did like the underlying tragedy of this is not where i belong i need to be back in my body yeah and and her, like, I don't know. I liked, I liked the bittersweet ending. I liked that oh, they yeah, ended it was with, really nice. you know, with them, like, she's going to die. Mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, you know, not right away, but. Well, that's the thing is like the, the sort of standard formula ending would be, we actually watch him at, at her deathbed, not the yeah. bed that eats people, but different deathbed. 
And instead, the episode ends with them dancing and it's sweet. And you know, she's going to be dead in a week. But for now, it's still kind of sweet. And it's like, it's a better way to end that story, I think. It's really pretty. And there's a moment where um, she comes in and she's, you know, she's dressed nice, but she's still got like, you know, fall off face syndrome. Uh Uh-huh. And I just, the doctor sort of approaches her and he's got like this, this really nice expression. Like I was watching this with Mal and she was really, she was really pleased by the fact that like when she comes in, he doesn't even like, like flicker for a second that like mm-hmm. he's, he's put off by her appearance. Right. And he does this thing where he sort of romantically brushes her cheek and I'm just waiting for her cheek to fall off in his hand. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. You dropped something there. Let me. Oh, it's not sticky. Um, hmm. Let me... Computer. Adhesive. <laughs> the thing is, the actual concept to me is dumb. The mm. idea, and you mentioned this in your summary, the idea of downloading a brain into a hologram Yep, still doesn't really make sense to me. And it also opens a lot of questions like, why don't they do this all the time? Why don't mm. they, like, when people are nearly dying, why don't they put them in a hologram until they fix the body or clone them a new body? Like, yeah. This could effectively make someone immortal because you keep them in a hologram until you can clone them a brand new body Mm -hmm. and then you put them back in and start all over. Yeah. That just feels like, I don't know. It feels like they're (laughs) feels like it should that like these people should be treating it like a bigger deal. Yeah, exactly. Doctor, did you invent immortality? I may have done. But then again, Is, is that an issue? This is not new for Star Trek because effectively you could do what Spock did in Search for Spock. Mm-hmm. Put your mind in an, a vessel, you know, a, a, a holding pattern in, in a different body, and then until they can grow you a new body, and then put it back in that one. Yep, because that's what he did. Or I mean, they could do like at the very least, they could do what they did with Scotty and fucking stick him in a transporter buffer for a few right. years. So it's not like this is the first time Star Trek's done that. But I, yeah. I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now yeah. for for that aspect. It's it's not that it, what bothers me isn't that they keep doing it. What bothers me is that it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's no implications. There's no like, okay, but then mm-hmm. this would happen. No, it just it doesn't matter. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's just a show. You should really just relax. Um, but yeah, I don't get why they don't just clone her a new body. Because uh, she has to go back to her people, her fucking disgusting people. Well, I mean, she does. She is a doctor, and I do like that too. Yeah, she's and not. That just... She has to go back and like help. Right. That's that's good. Also, it's good that she and the doctor can relate on a professional level, and it's mm-hmm. not just he fell in love with the first young pretty girl who came into his sick bay. No, I actually, this is one of the the things I like about the episode. I like um. Or this is part of my good thing. I like watching them work on her body a lot. Yeah. Those scenes are really nice and kind of weird. Well, yeah. And she's got this weird, like, obviously she's got a lot invested in that. Mm-hmm. But also she's got to have some clinical detachment. And yeah, it's 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 a good uh, it's a good scenario. I also like she that you occasionally get a look at, like, um, the first time we see her body on the on the thing. And she sort of looks over it and just goes, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. No, the whole thing. I've never seen the whole thing from the outside before. Jesus Christ. And I thought I looked bad from the inside. (laughs) Um, But no, it was it was sweet and it could have been really standard phoned in. But I think the acting saved a lot of that. The script wasn't Mm -hmm. bad, but I think the acting really saved the script wasn't bad. But I could watch those two basically all day. Like the the, the terrible um, uh, making out in the car scene and the bar scene should not have been good. And they both worked. Uh, Speaking of rhyming. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they were in a bar, they were in a car on Mars. You left out that part, which also it was rhymes. very far. Yes. 
like I so a a a a fifty seven Chevy, I believe it was, or at least yep. some some late fifties Finny like dick car. Of course, because Paris wants to be the Fonz. Yeah. Um. I, I, but but it's Star Trek, so you can't just be sitting in a car. So it's mm-hmm. on Mars, and you can see like Utopia Planitia or whatever off in the background. Yep. I'm not I'm not super happy about that, but whatever. The um the effect looked good. It did. It actually looked pretty. I will cool. give them that. I like that look of like the look of the car on Mars looks really cool to me. It does. It's just a dumb situation. It but, is a dumb situation. But on the other hand, it's also kind of that camp that I don't mind if they do a little bit of like that. Mm-hmm. that the, we've said this before. This would make the show a little more unique if they just embrace the stupid shit. Okay. No, be really great is if they drove that that uh, car around on Mars. That, yeah, exactly. Just like, but with the top up. Well, Claire shot uh, shot a gun out of the back. <laughs> like uh, whatever aliens that uh, Janeway was fighting with Amelia Earhart in the episode that I imagined happened. Yes, those two are now fighting on Mars in in a in a convertible. Yep, it's the invasion of the uh, the celebrities from Earth Snatchers. Yeah, but on Mars, or it could be like. Um, that uh, that episode of JLU I really like where Superman's in the far future and uh, it's like a post-apocalyptic wasteland and he's driving around in a 57 Chevy with no top. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. It, oh, it's so fucking good. Um, One of my favorite Superman stories, actually. Man, fucking Superman needs to drive more cars. Well, it's, it's I and this is a spoiler, I guess, if you haven't watched this 15 year old different show. Mm hmm. Uh, but the whole thing is he doesn't have powers and he thinks he's in another planet or something. And it turns out it's just the far, far future where Earth's sun has shifted to red. This sounds familiar. Does he perchance find the Statue of Liberty? No, but he does find Vandal Savage. No, that's almost as good, who, I suppose. Who has been alone on Earth for hundreds of thousands of years and gone insane with the loneliness. <laughs> and just wants Superman to be his friend. Well, I, that, that's that's a concept I can understand. It's, it's a pretty good episode, though. It's, yeah. It's one of the, it's seriously, like, I'm not talking about Star Trek at all anymore, but. Uh, Will you be my friend, Superman? No, it's one of those. Um, Superman is everyone's friend. Putting but the, no, I like, won't. Putting a test, putting a, a character to the test who has powers, and it's not just all about his powers, because he doesn't have any. It's basically him as a post-apocalyptic barbarian wandering around and fighting big monsters, and, like, he doesn't have powers. He's got to use his wits, and he's got to mm-hmm. use, you know, like force of personality and stuff and it's it's nice yep that sounds like the coolest thing ever it's one of my all-time favorite it's like i say one of my favorite superman stories one of my favorite justice league episodes mm. um, i might go watch that right after we finish here i'll i don't remember the title offhand but i'll find it and i'll find it it's on uh, netflix but yeah uh, undoubtedly uh anyway any any further business about this one before we press um, on i think that's everything got my good thing reminded me a bit of the uh the data has a girlfriend episode yeah it's 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 got similar beats but it's different because the characters are distinctive well the doctor has emotions for one thing sort of um you know it's way easier to have a girlfriend when you've got some of those yeah and i i you mentioned here that it's less depressing which she does die she does i mean i they say that but i mean like i don't think she dies like right after the episode oh i they didn't cure her no, like I know, but like she, the the idea is you get you you're stuck with the phage for like right, but she's gonna leave. She, and well, die. yeah, look, she's gonna de- leave and die eventually, but it's not like this week. Okay, 
It's just, like it's a couple of years off. I think the the real thing was that she was going to go back and help her people. Yeah, but what's her name? Who dated Data? I want to say Jenna Desora. I think that was her name. Yep. Uh, is just going to go date another bad boyfriend and another bad boyfriend, and maybe one day she'll figure it out and break the pattern and date someone nice, or mm-hmm. just be by herself. It's true. Mostly though, I just go back to uh, I then I will delete the uh, appropriate program. Eh, fair enough. Which is I the saddest know. line in all of Star. See, Trek. I think it's way sadder that the Doctor remembers having loved and lost mm. than Data not remembering at all. Yeah. No, we do have that scene where Paris tells you about yeah um, what it's like to get to be broken up with someone. Well, and that's the thing is like like I seriously think it's sadder for the Doctor who also has an emotional memory mm-hmm. of what happened and has to. Be sad about it. Data might remember the like he might have deleted the dating uh, uh, subroutines, but he'll remember what happened probably. Yeah, but he won't remember it with any like unless the emotion chip somehow retroactively gives him feelings about it. He just he plugs the emotion chip in for the first time and just starts weeping. Oh God, what did I do to that poor girl? Oh my God, I need to go apologize right now. Oh, he's got a lot of apologizing, apologizing to do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or apologizing, whatever. Yep. In the future, they don't have time for the whole. uh, the whole word. They just say no. apologizing. People in the future are very busy. Yeah. No, he's, he's got to go apologize to Bever first for uh, pushing her in the water. That was the most recent thing. And then <laughs> working work my way backwards. Yeah, exactly. All the people that he's inadvertently offended or, or upset with his lack of emotions. Hello, this is Data. I just wanted to tell you that I'm sorry for calling you a dick all those years ago. <laughs> I was told, I was the, some some mean crewman told me to call you Dick. That that's what you preferred, but uh, turns out they were just having a horrible joke. Mm. All right, let's let's. Oh, you got a you got a quote for this? Thing? I do have a quote for this one. By the way, Dinara, I've been meaning to tell you. Yes. I'm romantically attracted to you, and wanted to know if you felt the same way. That is sweet. <laughs> yeah. Very sweet. I like uh, I like the delivery on that a lot. Yeah. No, it's it's nice. Like. It's nice seeing someone like Picardo, who is, what, 50 at this point, probably? Yep. Play oddly young and naive in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like a teen boy's first love only played as a as a mature adult. Like, But it's those same emotional beats of, I've never fallen in love, I don't know how to handle this. Well, and it's also like that, um, that thing of like, okay, um, there are a set of rules to this, and if I follow them, things will work. Right. No, it's that, um, it's I, I, what I really like is just the idea of a, in of an intellectually mature person having to handle emotional stuff that he's not prepared for. Yeah, that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's not interesting to me is Neelix, but we need to press forward. Well, I have good news for you then. <sighs> Wait, no. What's the opposite of good news? Yeah. Terrible news. I have terrible news for you. <sighs> Well, the episode is called Investigations, and it goes a little something like this. Investigations sounds like one of those DS9 episodes where it's a noir mystery in space, and Odo is the hard-boiled detective lured into a case he should have known better to take by a Bajoran dame. But it's not that. No, this is a Neelix episode. Specifically, an episode where Neelix is, for some inexplicable reason, given his own ship-wide TV show. Think Regis and Kathy Lee, only Neelix is Regis and Kathy Lee, and also Gelman. Oh no, my five minutes of fame! <laughs> Meanwhile, Paris has decided to leave the ship. No, really. He's decided that Chakotay yelling at him about maybe running a comb through his hair occasionally is the final straw of, by my count, exactly one straw. And now he wants them to let him off at the nearest outpost, in the Delta Quadrant. 75 years from home. Sure, I buy that. 
who wouldn't choose to strand themselves in a completely foreign and probably hostile region of space with no hope of getting back home just because their boss is kind of annoying. Stunningly, though, this turns out to be some kind of a brilliant ruse concocted to flush out the traitorous that guy in engineering. And Neelix's lovable scamp though he is, oh, uh, sorry, I meant loathable little scab that he is, uh, compromises the entire secret operation with his hard-hitting journalism. Brilliant undercover operative Paris fights his way out of a wet paper bag, or at least this quadrant's equivalent of that, a Kazon ship. And somehow that makes him a hero. Yeah, I don't get it either. But then I don't get why anyone would voluntarily watch a TV show starring Neelix. I'm not even entirely sure why I'm doing it. I was thinking about this. Of everyone on this show, the one I most believe would leave the ship and strand himself in the Delta Quadrant over a fight with Chakotay would be Paris. I guess that's true, but it's just, still... Just crossing his arms and just going, no, I'm not going to be on the ship anymore, but and I, you'll all miss me. I think because the show has spent so much time refamiliarizing us with stuff from the Alpha Quadrant mm. and, like, showing Janeway, it's like, no, no, we're definitely going to make it home. It's like, it's, it, it's almost like you forget the stakes of just how huge the galaxy is and how unlikely it is he's ever going to get home if he does that. Yeah. Like, okay, jokes aside, they do run into anomalies and crap a lot, but eventually they're going to find a way home because this is just how space works in Star Trek. There's a lot of weird shit out there and they're mm-hmm. exploring and they're poking at stuff and they're going to find something eventually. You know, they will. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> if he just goes and lives on a planet, the chances of that are almost none. I don't know. He's like, it depends on whether or not they give him a spinoff when he when he leaves. Well, I mean, Fonzie never got a spinoff. Don't you want to watch Star Trek Paris? I think I can't think of anything I want to watch less. Well, uh, Star okay. Trek Neelix? Yeah, which is what this episode is. <laughs> like I said, these people uh, have a choice. They could mm. turn off the show about Neelix. I had to watch it. Let's... This is my bad thing. Who in their right mind thought it would be a good idea to give Neelix a TV show. You know, I mean, besides Rick Berman. This is getting awful meta. Um, <laughs> like, it's Neelix. Did, did the captain just think to himself, oh, it would be, excuse me, oh, it would be really nice if everyone on the ship just started the day by hating themselves. <laughs> and then he uses it to spread gossip? Oh, yeah, that's the worst. What? <laughs> See, now, okay. But really, let's follow this thread. Like, right now, you and I have our own radio show. It's true. Two, actually. Uh, okay. But effectively, like, the only people who listen to it are the people we tell about it who then express interest and seek it out. Mm-hmm. It's not like anyone has to listen to this. It's just, like, the internet has made it so that anyone can make a TV show, a radio show, like, things we think of as TV shows and radio shows. Are you saying that Neelix invented the podcast? No, I'm saying Neelix invented the vlog. Oh, my God. Like, but effectively, this is Neelix's YouTube channel. <laughs> it really is. Oh no! Like in terms of in, t- in terms of modern internet, that's exactly what it is. It's his oh. channel. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> that usually, like, usually when you giggle like this, it's because you've extrapolated some like. I, no, I just I fucking Neelix's YouTube channel. But that's what this is, really. I mean, and last week we're doing cooking with Neelix, and then I'm going to play some video games and talk over them. But I, that's effectively what it is. It's, and then I'm going to do a hilarious parody of Gangnam Style. He's um, he's uh, I, th- there's that terrible running joke where the doctor wants to be on and he keeps bumping him. I like that. I I do not. 
It's 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 the old talk show joke. It's the old, well, we don't have time for you this week, but next week we'll go. You promised I'd be on the show today. I was going to talk about the Vulcan blister and uh, nostril maintenance. Nope. That sounds fascinating, doctor. Does it? Sure. Does it? No. <laughs> As someone who's covered in nostrils, yes, Neelix would find that very interesting. I guess that's true. I, I just, but really like what, but my point is like his, it's like his YouTube channel in that it's out there. He makes it, yep. but no one has to watch it. Apparently it's the only thing on though. So, well, that's the thing is, and, like, and I would love if you, if like Neelix was up against, you know, like two guys down in engineering who are watching every episode of some TV show. Yeah. Like two Maquis who don't want to be here doing Starfleet stuff. So at least they, on their off time, they do something that they're. They enjoy. We're watching every episode of Farscape. Right. No, that show didn't. Come on. Nobody knows what that show is by the 24th century. Nobody hardly knows what that show is now. Farscape was destroyed in World War III. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) The first first round of targets was (laughs) Siffy. They bombed all that shit. (laughs) Oh, no. My sliders. No, I, oh no! Oh no! My Tremors Four, <laughs> starring Kevin Bacon. No, Kevin Bacon got too good. He he left. He oh, came well, back, but he okay. Left. Well, the 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 progression then goes Christian Slater, right? Yes, so Christian was, Slater versus Tremors. Right. Um, but no, I like. I still feel like this isn't mandatory viewing or anything like that. It's just there and people mm. could watch it if they want and no one's watching it, but he treats it like it's super important. That's fine. The, w- what bugs me is that we cut to everyone on the ship watching it and just like, right. And that's why oh I, boy, I, the Neelix show is on. I mentioned this being a TV show and Flonk, uh, rightly corrected me and said, well, it's, it's more like Neelix doing the morning announcements. Like, yeah, that's actually more accurate. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's video, but that's because it's more interesting. Well, I mean, we had in my high school, we had like TVs in every room. So you would get that. Ah, see, we did audio announcements and actually I did them. That doesn't surprise me. That's where my love of broadcasting came from. (laughs) Love of broadcasting and telling people what's on the lunch menu. Yep. And and being a political rebel and leaving out under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, uh, it is carrots and a side of leg of lamb for lunch today. Of course it is. Nice callback, Matt. Yep. Did you get that out of the Neelix uh, cookbook? I did. <laughs> it's a cookbook! <laughs> <laughs> it's called To Serve Mr. Vulcan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the idea that he's allowed to spread gossip, just mm-hmm. talk about, well, I saw somebody kissing. Like, how is that okay? How, how does anyone in the chain of command say, sure, you could just broadcast people's private business over public, you know, public internet or whatever like, it is. What's up? He looks watching like a lot of Hollywood gossip shows. Yeah, from, he's like the fucking drudge report. Yeah. <laughs> he's got his like douchey uh, fedora on. and uh, I know two people, one in a blue uniform and one in a yellow uniform who were seen canoodling outside of Holodeck 3 yesterday. Uh, we know a remote farm in Lincolnshire again. where Mrs. Buckley lives. <laughs> oh no, my peas. <laughs> Um, did you manage to find a good thing? Because your good thing is basically the bad thing has stopped, but that's okay. Yep. My good thing is that as of this episode, we no longer have to deal with the traitor uh, subplot or the Paris subplot. 
Yeah. Thanks episode. This was about the, as long as I could deal with that. Well, this was the payoff. Like, yep. This was the whole what that was all building to. And the writers all said, yeah, we, we don't know what we were thinking. And this I concur. Might, this might be me, like, but there's two dudes in engineering in this episode, okay? One of them's the traitor, and one of them is not the traitor. And they both look so similar, I couldn't tell them apart. Yeah, they're just boring white guys. I couldn't either. Like, you know, like, Neelix spends a lot of time in engineering in this episode because he's doing research down there. Mm-hmm. And Taurus keeps passing off uh, uh, dudes to help him out. And I can never tell if he's with the traitor or if it, the traitor is just watching in the background and wringing his hands. Yeah. No, I, I had the same problem, actually. So, you know what? I'm going to make that my bad thing. Like, you can't have two guys in yellow uniforms who look basically the same. And one of them is important to the plot and one of them isn't because... I'm sorry. These are not main characters, so I have not memorized them. Right, and if you Nor don't, do they make have them... hilarious names like Wild Man. And if you don't make them visually distinct, yeah, even to the extent of maybe one's a man, one's a woman. That one's, would be one's like, got blonde hair, one's got dark hair. Easiest thing in the world, right there. One but no, they're is... both blonde white dudes. Yeah, no, one is black, one is white. You're Lenny and Carl. There you go. Yeah anything like I, I mean and then you have the star trek options of additional cu- customization where you could make one a vulcan and one a, you know an andorian or something yeah whatever like this shit's easy man fucking yeah. but anything to make them more like to stand out would be better yeah. you give one a ridiculous mustache <laughs> do you want the mustache on or off too bad um the mustache is a foreshadowing of his beard <laughs> Wow, that's a callback. I haven't thought about that in a long time. <laughs> How does that stay in memory alpha, but Harold Kim gets deleted? That's a really good question. That is the great injustice of our show. Yep. Or that is done to our show, I suppose. <laughs> um, So you, you, you just came up with a bad thing on the fly, but yep. really your bad thing also was what you already said. Yeah, them rapping. I, I'm so, I was so sick of these... Uh... No, 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 that was your good Oh, my thing. bad thing. No, my bad thing was Neelix's TV show. Yeah, who, who thought it was a good idea. Yeah, uh, I fuck concur. you. <laughs> fuck you, Neelix. Yeah, no, I concur. I'm um, just looking over my notes here, and it's like, and that's where I end. I also hate with uh, um, Neelix having a three-second conversation with Harold and just suddenly deciding he has journalistic integrity. Oh, God, so we get Harold, the, the, the kiss-up, like, teacher's pet, mm-hmm. where he's like, well, when I did the yearbook at Starfleet Academy, I did hard-hitting uh, journalism. I'm, wa- I'm watching. I'm like, of course you did. We're on the fucking yearbook. Uh, no, he was on the school paper or something. I didn't want to say that because I was on the school paper and I didn't do any hard-hitting journalism of any kind. I wanted to make it entertaining because it's a high school paper and no one wanted to read it. Yep. I, w- I worked on the yearbook and I wanted to make it entertaining. And the teacher who was also my editor was like, cut out all of these jokes. Ah. See, I was kind of like allowed to do some of that, not all of it, but some of it. But like the idea for me was nobody wants to read the paper. This is a dorky thing. Let's try to do something people want to read. Yep. You don't try to do hard hitting journalism. Who wants to read that? Nobody. Hard hitting journalism in high school is like what? What is that? Well, unless your teacher is Walter White, nothing is happening. I that's actually we had a principal who had quit the year before and nobody knew why and i initially had the idea that we could find out and then well maybe that's her own personal business and we shouldn't print that but initially that was my my thought back in the day like Mm. why did why did she quit what happened did she get in trouble was there a scandal but nope there might have been i don't know i was told not to do it and rightfully so yeah (laughs) al that's none of your business yeah oh so it isn't 
Uh, my bad thing, speaking of Neelix being terrible, Neelix yes. is terrible. Now, that's my bad thing for all of Voyager, really. Yep. No. Um, Remember when we liked him for the first two episodes? Yeah, it was like the first four for me, but yeah. Yeah. It was it was a, portion, a good portion of the brief season one. That was a weird time. Yeah. Well, I was just waiting for him to piss me off, and then he did. And yeah, he, he served did a your lot. bowl of hair. Ugh, just a bowl of hair. <laughs> that sums it up right there. Now, um, there's a point where he's watching, I think it's the traitor, I don't know, or the other guy, one of them. Mm-hmm. And he's uh like and and he sees him say uh override code omega alpha whatever you know uh, Greek letters that makes it sound uh legit right yep and then um he leaves and Neelix goes uh computer override omega whatever and it works like how yeah. does Neelix like okay we know voice print is a thing because it's kind of a thing now yep it's definitely a thing like you can't blow up the ship without the the captain's voice yeah and like so how. Does, who said, yes, Neelix has the authority to override anything ever? If anything, I pr- picture Tuvok in his office just going, Computer, please ensure that Mr. Neelix is locked out of anything important. My computer, make sure Neelix is accompanied by a security officer if he wants to open a door. <laughs> He's computer, just walking please? through the hallway trying to get it, like bumping into automatic doors that won't open for him. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, my face. Oh, my computer, face. Just please, please lock Mr. Neelix in a closet. <laughs> and then uh, then he goes in the holodeck and chokes him some more. Oh, no, my claustrophobia. Yep. Uh, what else? Uh, what was your uh, what was your good thing? My good thing. Um, that was only 45 minutes. It's uh, a good one. No, yeah. I actually do like there's the, we, we find out that this was all a secret plot that uh, a ploy to stop a war. <laughs> and I no, because they know they had a they had a, a traitor. I actually like the traitor subplot. Like that one didn't bother me. The Paris mm-hmm. thing did annoy me. But the traitor thing I assume would pay off in a bigger way than this. I assume that was gonna be sort of building to the season finale where the Kazon do some big thing based on stuff that this guy's been selling them, and I actually yeah. didn't mind that. Not kind of felt like they got bored with it instead, which yeah, that's maybe. fair, so did I. Yeah. But they could have done it better. Like mm-hmm. th- th- that story has potential. You're stranded in the middle of nowhere with a hostile but but inferior enemy, and then you got someone right on your own ship selling them information. That that could be a good story. Yep. Uh, it wasn't, but it could have no, been. No, it it's wasn't. got potential. But um, no, I like that the whole the whole plan, like you mentioned, is that that Paris is trying to flush this guy out, mm-hmm. and they don't tell Chakotay. Tuvok was like tells him right to his face. He's like. I thought it would be more convincing if we didn't tell you. And I think that's just Tuvok being a dick to Chakotay, and I kind of like it. Yep, that was my assumption, too. <laughs> just, it's no, very... G- go ahead. It, it's very consistent with w- the, that relationship that we've seen so far. I will give them that, man. They, uh, the character, uh, the, they keep those characters. No, that's the, that's what I've been saying all along is like, even in shitty episodes, they do have a pretty strong sense of almost all of these characters and their relationships with each other. Like that is a consistently good thing. I think it's like, there's a sign up in the Voyager writing room that says, remember Chakotay and Tuvok hate each other. No, I feel like there's a little drawing. It's like each character, like with a line connecting, mm. like friends, not friends, enemies, you know, yep. and like, then, you know, oh, let's see, let's check the chart, Chakotay and two, or it's like a code wheel, like the, like the monkey island, like password wheel. <laughs> and you point, you turn the Chakotay head to the Tuvok head and it says the little window says enemies. Oh, okay. Yep. Good. Oh, all right. Very good. Thanks for that. Yes. Um, 
I have a note here. Uh, why? Well, they need something in engineering. Why don't you call Carrie? He seems like a pretty good engineer. <laughs> oh, yeah. That guy. He will not be back. No. Good um, old Carrie. But yes, a lot of my notes also say, God damn it, Neelix. I hate Neelix. Neelix, Neelix, Neelix. At one point, he gets clonked on the head with a comically oversized wrench. Mm-hmm. That was nice. I could, I could watch that all day. Uh, oh, no, wait, no. I, I'm reading my note wrong. Uh, he clonked someone else over the head with a comically oversized wrench. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> my next note says, that guy lost a fight with Neelix. He deserves to get vaporized. Yeah, he kind of does. Also, yeah. Neelix murdered someone, by the way. Never forget. Neelix killed Fucking dumped some dude into the warp core. And then fucking, like, he goes downstairs and Tuvok and the security team arrives. Mr. Neelix, are you all right? What happened? Oh, I just killed someone. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go be on television. Yep. Well, this all checks out. No, well, no follow-up questions are needed here. Y- you know what he should have done? Arrested Neelix? No, no, no. What Neelix should have done. Oh. Knocked the guy into the warp core and then turned to whoever was there and said, what a way to go-go. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. That's that. Oh, I was hoping you'd know that one. And you did. Yep. That's good. Never forget. Batman killed someone. Yep. In the very first episode. Yep. I think that was part two of the first two parter, but yep. still first episode. The Riddler's Mod Dame or whatever. Uh huh. I think that was the episode title. Uh, something like that. Yes. The Riddler's Mod. Yep. Hi, I'm Mod. Uh, Featuring Gomez Adams as the Riddler No, 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 that was like season three or something And it's, oh god, that was terrible Catwoman, that's French He was not a good, like, he was not a good Riddler Nope Like the replacement Catwoman they got weren't bad But uh, the replacement Riddler, nobody's Gorshin, nobody Nope Only Gorshin is Gorshin I should have got him to play Razal Ghul uh, But 60s Razal Ghul Yeah, 60s Razal Ghul Yeah and yes, I know Ra's al Ghul didn't show up until the 70s. Shut up. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're, we're retroactive. We're, yeah. we're retrocasting. We're also not talking about the Neelix episode because it's terrible. It is terrible. Yep. Let's talk about Ra's al Ghul some more. Yeah, let's do that, detective. <laughs> yes, detective. Um, I need I do- you to join me on my adventure to save my daughter and Robin. <laughs> detective oh so apparently the communications logs mm-hmm. on voyager are just a matter of public record anyone you call and talk to like it's like the phone records just anyone can get to them yeah that seems like a very starfleet thing i guess to that's me. true that's probably a gene thing yeah well nobody's got anything to hide so uh sweater vests and i've got scrambled eggs all over me <laughs> scrambled eggs all over my face what is a boy to do <laughs> <laughs> Gene has left the building. <laughs> There's a show I want to watch all of a sudden. What? <laughs> Gene Roddenberry moving back to Seattle to live with his father and his... Oh, is that a Fraser thing? I was just talking yeah, about Frasier. how messy he is. Ah, I've never seen Fraser. As a Seattle native, I have never seen Fraser or Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> True statement. Uh... Eh, that's pretty much all I got. Is just yeah, a lot pretty of, much. I don't have a whole lot here. Just I hate it's it's a Neelix episode focusing then on Tom Paris and Chakotay. Like really, let let's just uh, pile all those hits. If you throw Harry Kim in there, you, you baby, you got a stew going. Yeah, pretty much. That's, um, give a quote for this one. I do, and it is Neelix uh, offering some assistance to Tuvok. <laughs> I will pursue the matter, and I will help you. 
I think not. And the response is appropriate, I think. Thusly. Yes. We can't say thusly. That's a copy. Thorsly. The other show. Ah, that'll show them. Thorsly. Thorsly. That's uh, Thor's little identical nephew. Yep. Hello, Uncle Thor. Hello, Thorsly. All right. Uh, so that's all for yep. me. You got anything else? No. Good. Let's never speak of it again. Uh, that's right. not, we'll probably speak of it a lot. Hey, Neelix has a TV show. It you actually. Know, if, this, if this keeps coming up for the rest of the show, it's just Neelix. Oh, I'm doing a documentary for my television show oh. that I have. Ah, yes, my documentary. <laughs> why do sharks explode? <laughs> now, why do talaxian sharks explode? It might they're... be because their genitals are talaxian M80s. Oh, no, my genitals. <laughs> Yeah, that that works. Yeah. Hey, man, crack a window, will ya? I notice we're talking about Neelix's genitals again. Yeah. Always comes back to that, doesn't it? <laughs> sure does. I think it's time for you to say see ya, folks. See ya, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. 